You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou Would you join me for a word of prayer? Blessed Lord, the mystery of our redemption has so many facets for us to enjoy and to ponder. And today we ponder the central mystery of all human life, the axis around which the whole universe revolves, the cross of Jesus Christ. Enlighten our minds and fill our spirits as we do so, that we might be strengthened in faith and emboldened to live as his disciples. And this we ask in his precious name. Amen. So, um, I told Deacon Michael we had a wedding yesterday, and, uh, and I told him, I said, well, tomorrow morning we're going to start with a sing-along in the sermon. He says, oh, great, what are you playing? And I said, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm not going to have my guitar out. Um, do you remember jingles? Remember those little hooky melodies they used to invent so that we would buy stuff? I'm going to see how well these stuck in your brain, and you can help me out here. You just have to finish what I begin singing, okay? <laughs> so, give me a break, give me a break, break me off a piece of that. Yes! <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, how about even shorter? How about this one? This is, this is for our, our ADD generation. Here we go. What would you do for a... Yes! <laughs> now this one is for the over 30 crowd, okay? <laughs> because I know when I remember hearing this jingle, and it was definitely pre-1990. Okay, so let's see if you remember this one. Uh, now i got to think how it goes. Have it your way, have it your way, have it your way at... King, yes! We even had someone in the 8 o'clock remembered that one too and sung it out. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. That was Burger King's jingle because at the time, it was the only fast food restaurant you could go to and get a custom order. If you went to McDonald's at that time, you were always going to get the same squirt of ketchup, the same squirt of mustard, and the same pickle. And reconstituted onions because I worked at McDonald's. So I can tell you they started dehydrated. <laughs> But if you went to Burger King, you could have special order. That jingle wouldn't work for them today. Because we have become a culture that expects everything custom made to order. In fact, we expect not to even have to get out of our chairs to get what we want. What do I want? Hmm. Now 20 years ago I'd have to go to Walmart, but now I can do this. I'll have it Tuesday. And if I don't like what I got, I can stop on my way to Wegmans at Kohl's and drop it back off, and that goes back and I get my money back. 
Everything's gotten so easy. We're used to getting what we want. But St. Paul highlights how the cross is not what anyone was expecting or wanted. Jews demand signs. Greeks desire wisdom. These were the two dominant cultures with which St. Paul interacted. Jews demand signs. Show us a miracle, Lord, and we will believe. We're not that different from that, are we? We hear the bad news and we want our miracle. We pray for it. There's some pastors who've gotten quite rich promising people that if you pray in a certain way using a certain formula, God's obligated to give you the miracle that you want and expect. We want our sign. We want God to thunder in in power and defeat our enemies because we know that we are righteous and they are not. And we like... We like to speculate about God. We like to talk about God. Too often our Bible studies are so we can assemble facts and catalog them in our minds about God rather than let those facts saturate our lives and change our behaviors and our hearts. Christianity is a high regard for learning. I went to a seminary, had a nice big library. It wasn't even the biggest library in our consortium. I could go down to Catholic U and there were over a million books on theology in its library. Bible, church history, speculative systematic theology, historical theology. And yet, and yet, if all we have about God is an idea, if God to us is like to Plato and Socrates, the good or to, like it was for Aristotle, the prime mover unmoved. That doesn't affect our hearts. That doesn't change who we are. It doesn't change our situation. It just gives us ideas to bandy around. And we can end up like Guinevere at the end of La Morte d'Arthur, where after destroying Camelot, she became a nun. And we're told that she could discuss God for hours but cared for him not. We want power. We want wisdom. And we're pretty sure that if we run into God, we'll recognize Him because we know what to expect from God. The cross of Jesus Christ is God inverting every one of our expectations. Proving to us that his weakness is stronger than our greatest strength and his foolishness is better than all of our wisdom. The cross is still foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who do not trust in what Jesus did at the cross. When I was at campus ministry at Penn State, um, I was blessed to sit next to an imam during one of the interreligious dialogues and I was wearing a cross like I usually do. And after sharing his food with me, because it was Ramadan, um, he asked me, or he said to me, he didn't really ask, he just said, I'll never understand why you Christians wear a cross. Isn't that the day your God was defeated? Was it? Hmm. You know, there was certainly, it would look that way from the outside. And apparently, 
those outside the faith were not the only ones who thought so because God went to that cross in Jesus Christ to defeat our enemy, the enemy of our souls. Do you think that Satan had his expectations turned upside down at the cross? If Satan had known that by snapping up God off of that cross, where Jesus says to us, he would be glorified, Satan grabbed for the throne as he'd been trying to do. He saw God there and he couldn't resist killing God. And what did he get for his trouble? The gates of hell were unlocked. The dead were no longer under the power of death. And we're told that he went to preach to the spirits in prison. And now, and now for us who trust the work he did on the cross, death no longer has dominion over us. In the first, uh, second century, Irenaeus of Lyon, who's kind of the spiritual grandson of St. John. St. John was the pastor of Polycarp, and Polycarp was the pastor of Irenaeus. He compared, he compared the cross to a giant fish hook that God baited with himself. And Satan, being a greedy fish, couldn't resist snapping him up. And then, like the fish that grabbed Jonah, ended up with a bellyache after three days and had to give him up again. I think that if Satan known, had known what was going to happen when he grabbed Jesus on the cross, he'd have said, live long and prosper. <laughs> the cross is where God turns everything upside down. And more importantly, it's where he reveals to us his character. Not only does God accomplish our salvation in a way no one could have ever expected, but God reveals how far He's willing to go to save us poor and rebellious souls. That He would even sacrifice Himself and His Son that we might come home, might be restored to communion with Him and have life that is truly worth living. It's unexpected. It's a terribly unexpected blessing. Back in the 90s, there was, a, there was a song that the refrain went, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Well, God's greatest gift is His unexpected blessing at the cross. It's where God hides Himself in weakness and reveals Himself to the eyes of faith. This is not a symbol of defeat. It's a symbol of victory. Unexpected victory. Victory quite literally snatched from the jaws of death. And the cross is not just a particular moment in history. It's the pattern of our lives together. Our lives as Christians. That in what appears to be defeat in our lives, God brings unexpected blessing and resurrection over and over and over again. Can't you think of those times in your own life where you thought it was over? Something beautiful was ending, but in fact, looking back, now you realize something more beautiful was being reborn. The unexpected blessing is the most powerful of all.
with a story. Uh, my, I'm a Hungarian blood here. And let's see. Did I leave my... No, I got my glasses here someplace. I left them down there. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the gesture. <laughs> All right. We got different prescriptions. <laughs> I got this because I want to make sure I get the names right. Um, Andor Fulbis was an uh, amazing child prodigy pianist. See, if, this was a sax, if these were saxophone players, I wouldn't need notes. But, um, but I'm not a pianist. He was this gifted Hungarian prodigy on the piano. Um, at 16 years old, he was already well-known and was traveling the circuits and engaging in these competitions in Europe. Um, but he was 16. You know, I've got a 15 and a 17-year-old. I don't care how gifted you are. 16 is a difficult age, and there's a whole lot going on you're trying to figure out in life. And the word came that Emil von Sauer was coming to Budapest. Now, Emil von Sauer was one of the top pianists in Europe of his day. But what was more important about him is he was the last remaining living student of Franz Liszt who is one of the great composers and, and performers of his day. And Emil von Sauer wanted a private concert by young Andes, Andor. So when they got in this room and young Andor's just falling apart, this is the last thing he wants. He needs this stress like he needs a hole in the head. And the master's calling off the pieces and he's playing Bach and Beethoven and Schumann. And he finally, as, as the last notes are ringing out, Emil stands up and walks over to him and kisses him on the forehead. And here's what he says to him. He says, My son, when I was your age, I became a student of Liszt. He kissed me on the forehead after my first lesson, saying, Take good care of this kiss. It comes from Beethoven who gave it to me after hearing me play. I have waited for years to pass on this sacred heritage, but now I feel you deserve it. The moment that young Andor had looked on with horror became the moment that would bless him for the rest of his professional career. So for us, when we look at the cross of Jesus Christ, the moment when our sins were made evident, when the prince of this world was judged and the ways of this world were judged, as we took a healer, a purveyor of wisdom, God himself, and put him to death, that becomes the moment of greatest blessing for us. And even when the moment comes, portrayed in the book of Revelation, when he shall come with power and glory, we are told that the armies of God will conquer evil by the blood of the Lamb slain on that cross on a hill called Golgotha. We call this Holy Cross Sunday. But that's not its full name. Its full name in the church calendar is the exaltation of the holy and life-giving cross. And that's what it is. Life 
to those of us who will accept that God's foolishness is greater than our wisdom and His weakness is greater than our power. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, if there is one thing we do not welcome in our culture where we can have it our way, it's sacrifice. But you have revealed to us that in sacrifice comes new life, better life, unexpected life, and that that is where you hide yourself and where the blessing is brought. You have blessed us through your own sacrifice. Bless us now in the little sacrifices of our lives. The time we give up for love of another. The resources we give up and the, the things we might have bought with those resources for the sake of a greater good. The talents we offer on behalf of others and in service to others instead of serving ourselves. That we might, in imitating you, find true life and draw all eyes to you where they will be healed. This we ask in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, I pray.